Hello, dear friends, and welcome. I'm Jordan Rich. Always a great thrill to sit down and do a Brattlecast with a man from the Brattle Bookshop, the man himself, Ken Gloss. Brattle Bookshop located on West Street in Boston. It is a must-see when you make it to town for any kind of uh, visit. Ken, we're answering some questions, and you answer all the questions that come in, obviously. Uh, Any question is certainly a good one, but we thought we'd pull a few out that make sense to talk about on the podcast. So this is from someone who says, they've wanted this out-of-print textbook. It was very hard to find. This person saw a copy on the internet somewhere priced at $1,000 and is wondering why, why that much for an out-of-print textbook? Uh, Well, one of the reasons I picked this question to do, we can get into how things are priced, the internet, and so on. So it sort of leads into that. But the simple reason, the simple, the very simple answer to this, and I assure you, I'll I'll explain Mm. a lot more, is someone decided to price it that. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't mean it's worth it. Uh, The internet is a tool. And like every tool that you use, if you know what you're doing, you know how to use it, it's a very helpful tool. Mm. On the other hand, if I got a cabinet maker's tool to make a cabinet, a fine woodworking, I'd more likely bang my thumb with the hammer than I would making a beautiful cabinet. So the internet and books can be the same thing. Uh, A couple of things. The book they were looking for was a technical book. It was a a mathematical engineering. It was actually a fairly obscure book and hard to find. Uh, One of the things that happens very often with the books you look up on the internet, and there are some good sites, there's one called ABE Books, A Books, which is owned by Amazon. Uh, there's one called Add All. There's one called Bookbinder. On and on. They're all good if you know what you're doing. But the problem with it is the internet has no editing. In other words, anyone can put anything up mm. that they want at any price they want. Mm. I mean, I could have just as easily, if I had a copy of that book, said a million dollars. Doesn't mean anyone will pay a million dollars. But then the next person who looks online sees it at a million dollars. And sometimes they'll go, well, I'll price it a bog and a half a million. <laughs> uh, so that's one, that's, yeah. that's one thing that can happen. But many cases, a lot of the dealers who deal on the Internet in a big way, and there were, a lot of them are good, nobody is actually pricing that book. It's a computer algorithm. Mm. Uh, they have large computers. And what happens is, and an aside for this is what they call an old book, but I'll talk about that. But the computer, they'll enter in the book either by ISBN number, which is those barcodes, or by a title. The computer will go online and check out how many copies there are, how how available is this, what's the history. And if the computer finds that there haven't been many copies, that there aren't any online, the computer will go, hmm, I'll put that very, very high because if the person wants it, where are they going to get it? Supply and demand here. Theoretically, yeah, yeah, theoretically, if this was a person working for a large, large corporation, and let's say this book somehow would save them hours and hours and hours of time developing some new invention, I guess there's an outside chance, even though the book should probably be, you know, a tenth of that price, that they might say, well, it's the only one, we've got to buy it. 
Can I ask you how old this book was, if you recall? This this was from the uh, 1970s. Oh, okay. All right. It was a book from the 1970s. So it wasn't that particularly old, but mm-hmm. it was obviously one that wasn't easy to get. Chances are, though, you're not going to have a large corporation who's going to say, we've got to save hours of time. <laughs> right. The computer, a lot of those big companies, though, that use these computers, the computer reprices their thousands and thousands of books every five minutes. In other words, it goes through all the books that company has online, checks online again, and it also has time sequences. So maybe if you checked in a week, the same company would have the same book and the computer will keep lowering the price. Or what will happen is another computer will be checking for another company and go, oh, there's one on for $1,000. Will the computer's program to price it at 500? But then the first one says, oh, wait a minute, there's another one. We've got to be competitive, and they'll go. They'll actually keep essentially bidding themselves down. So a lot of times, when you get ridiculous prices or what you think might be, part of it is no person is involved. It's all computer algorithms. Another thing that I tell people is that when you're looking for something like that, and you're looking to use a computer for pricing, if there are copies online, don't look at the price first. Look at how many are online, because if you see 50 or 100 copies, let's say the same book, you would go online and there were a lot of them. Uh, And then you look at the prices and you say, wait a minute, there's one at $5, there's one at $1,000. Well, which one are you going to buy unless there's something wrong? Uh, And people will say to me sometimes, well, gee, there's a $100 one, they're on there for $100, they're on there for $20, well, halfway is about $50. And I go, no, in that case, it brings it right down to the lowest practical value. Because if you're going to buy it, you're going to pay the cheapest. So in some cases, you go online and you see the price is terrifically high. And the reason is, it's the only one if you have to have it. uh, You have to pay that price but you'll probably watch it come down and down and down until someone Mm. has to have it at a certain price. On the other hand, if you see a lot, look at how many initially. In other words, if you have a book and you're using the computer to say, well, what's my copy worth? If you see 100 copies, your copy is probably not that hard to get. The only way to sell a book on the internet, and this we learned very early on, was either you have to have the only copy which that $1,000 textbook was. You have to have the best copy. Maybe there's some reason that yours is absolutely the terrific one, or you have to have the cheapest copy because then you're competing by price. So a lot of things that you, when you're looking and using the internet, it can be immensely helpful. It definitely has brought uh, books much more accessible. I mean, that, that book that you that this gentleman was looking for at $1,000 before the internet, he might've spent months just calling bookstores all over the country and calling other stores and putting ads in and trying to get things in. uh, And that time is valuable. Now, at least whether he wants to pay that price or not, he could get it. Uh, I remember there was an incident once where there was a politician uh, retiring from South Boston. 
And another politician who was a customer of our store thought the perfect gift to get him was uh, an early 19th century history of South Boston. It, it's a, the one he wanted is a fairly hard book to get. Before the internet, you know, I'd see one every two or three years. Uh, but, you know, the, the book should have been at that time around $100. He said, I really need it. And I said, well, I've called all my book selling colleagues and nobody seems to have it at any price. I said, one other thing we can try is at that time, the Boston Globe had a classified ad section. You could put things in that you wanted or that you wanted to sell. And, and, and I said, look, the book's about worth about $100. You really want this. You're willing to pay more than that. How about if we put an ad in the Globe and say, looking for a history of South Boston, we'll pay $400 for it. And he said, yeah, I, I need it. I want it. It's the perfect gift. Fine, I'll pay $400. We put the ad in, and I could have gotten four copies of it within <laughs> within almost a week. You know, in other words, once someone saw, wait a minute, this book's only worth $100. But if someone's paying $400, I've had it for 50 years. I'd never sell it at the regular price, but at that price, I'll uh, sell it. It's so looking attractive. In a way, at that that's what the for the so most part, can are people able to deal and barter and haggle a little bit? I've never done it. I've never bought a book that way. I've ordered books on Amazon, but never that way. What's generally on the other uh, end uh, besides the computer? <laughs> well, well, there are people. There has to be a person has somewhere. Has to be somewhere, yes. Yeah. A, a couple of things that happen when you get into these a lot of these companies that do large-scale computing, and I said I was going to talk about old books, is – some of them, they go around collecting books from book sales, from libraries, people donate them. And their definition of an old book is, every book that has ISBN number, which again is those barcodes, mm -hmm. which started in the 70s, they're all on a computer. In other words, all you have to do is put that book in front of a computer screen, the computer will pick it up, know what the book is, or type in a few words of the title, it will come up. But anything before 1970 doesn't have that computer recognition. And so a lot of these companies, anything before 1970 is an old book, because then you have to actually look at the book. Then what they do many times is they get sorted on shelves by a number. When the book sells, the, the computer tells a picker to pick it out, put it on an assembly line. It then gets packed by a machine. They sort it by zip code, and the post office gives a discount if you sell volume, but you sort it, pre-sort it for them. So some of them are just making their money on, it might cost, because they get the discounts from the post office, it might only cost them $2 to ship. They charge $5. They're making $3 on the shipping. And if you sell a 1,000 books like that, you make money. But the, the other thing about it, is that you, so there's all of that going on. But then when you can bargain, many times if you see a book on one of these services and it says where the person is or what the store is, or there's some type of contact information, uh, many times the services like ABE or Amazon charges 20% to the dealer for, for yeah. the posting. Right. Well, you know, if someone calls us direct, you might have 20% built in because you're going to pay that to Amazon. And the person says, 
well, gee, I'll buy it if I can get a discount. What's the worst that can happen is the person says no. I mean, and if you don't ask, you don't, uh, get. You, you don't get it. Again, it's a little bit time consuming. And one of the things, and this actually, this question that you're asking not only is for online, but if someone walks into our shop and says, can you do a little better? So much of that, if you call, you ask, you email, is in the attitude, in the tone. You know, if someone says, gee, could you, you know, I'm, I'm buying this, I bought a lot, could you do a little bit better? Or I'm, you know, if I buy it directly from you, I know you save a little and could you do a little better for me? A lot of people are more than willing to do that. If you say, I'll give you this, take it or leave it, you know, with an attitude, a lot of times people will say, yeah, I'll leave it, you know, and, and so on. So my wife always says, if you don't ask, no one's going to say yes. What's the worst they can do is say no. So there is, in many cases, a little bit of bargaining room. Uh, it also depends a lot on whether you get an individual who's running a small business or whether it's a huge business. And even to, on a lot of the huge businesses, especially general things, even getting to the person who could make a decision on whether they could make an, uh, a reduction could be hard. So it depends on who you get, but you can. You can ask. Uh, if it's a book you really, really want, and I mean, and it's reasonably priced and you need it and that's the copy you need, my advice would be buy it as quick as you can before someone else does it. <laughs> if you're saving a couple of dollars, don't worry about it. But if you, you know, if it's a, an expensive book, your thousand dollar book online, and you call the person up and go, isn't this a little ridiculous? You know, they might say, okay, yeah, I can sell it for 500 or I can sell it for 250 but they're happy to sell it, period. Just like the old-fashioned so, markets in the Middle East. <laughs> it's it's back and well, forth, there, a little bit of that. There can be a little of that, but it's not universal. So some people, you try that, you'll never get to the right person. Right. And some, you try <clears> that, and it's just an automatic, no, this is what it is, period, and, and that's it. Yeah. And then some cases, if you don't need it right at that moment, maybe you wait for the next person to pay, post a co another copy of that book, and, and you buy it from there. Uh, if you're dealing with an individual, the other advantage of working up a relationship is you could say, you know, I've been looking for this book and it's it's something that uh, I needed. But, you know, if you ever run into anything else in this area or in this field, something that seems similar, why don't you get in touch with me right away? We can avoid paying it to the services. You can sell it quicker. And uh, I'm definitely a buyer in that uh, in that market. So if it's a smaller dealer, the personal relationship can be fine. Uh, and another reason that books can get that high priced is a lot of people who work and sell on the Internet have no clue whatsoever what they're doing. And that can be another thing. In other words, they're not trying to, to take advantage of you. They're not trying to not give the right description. They just don't know. And that's where uh, you have to be a little bit care careful too. You have to establish relationships with dealers. And, and you're always going to make a mistake here or there. Like I say, what encourages 
this sort of incredibly high price is maybe one out of a hundred times someone feels absolutely under the gun. They have no choice and they just swallow hot and go, boy, this is ridiculous, but I have no choice. I've got to buy it. Thank you so much. What a terrific answer, a multi-leveled, multi-tiered answer to a great question. It speaks to what you're all about, and we say this a lot, about the relationships to the customer, to the dealers, to uh, librarians. I mean, you're everywhere, and the podcast is a great way to connect as well. Fabulous. And if you out there have a question, any kind of question, it'll be answered anyway, but maybe, just maybe, we'll answer it on the podcast. You can write to Ken through the website, brattlebookshop.com. Sir, I thank you, and we're excited about the next podcast, you know. Yes, I'm very excited. But I will say one thing, Gordon, I will add to this. Have the questions to be about books. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I, I should have made that caveat. Yes, it, 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 don't ask a question about uh, water molecules necessarily. The next podcast is special. It's number 100. So we'll celebrate with Ken on the next edition of the Brattlecast. And we'll have a lot of fun doing it. 